This is NTL Now, your Northern Tier League sports podcast. NTL Now is brought to you by Circle W Sports, the new name in the game for high school sports. Now let's join the host of NTL Now, along with Joe Carrion, here's Shane Wilbur. Welcome back to Northern Tier League Now. It's time to get episode three underway. I'm Shane Wilbur. My co-host Joe Carrion is on vacation this week, so I'll be flying solo during this week's podcast. But have no fear, there's still a great episode ahead for you. Coming up in just a little while, I'll be talking with Brian Fees from the Tawanda Daily Review. Brian and I, we're going to have some fun. Uh, I'll talk with him about his summer of athletic feats. Uh, if you didn't have a chance to follow him uh, throughout the summer, Brian uh, decided that uh, he was going to engage in all kinds of different sports challenges. Uh, he was uh, doing stuff with all kinds of current and former NTL athletes. But uh, we'll also get into a preview of some soccer, cross country, volleyball, and golf as well when it comes to that. But overall, it's been an interesting summer for Brian on the sports end, so we'll definitely take some time to sit down with him, and uh, he's always a great interview, and I'm sure he's got some good previews coming up in just a little while, and uh, looking forward to that. But also here on the podcast this week, now this one has really got me excited, okay? Now, if you've kind of missed out on some of the big headlines, some of the big storylines that have been gone uh, or been going on, I should say, uh, throughout the summer months. Well, uh, coming up here a little bit later, I'm going to be joined by Mitch Rupert uh, from the Williamsport Sun Gazette. Mitch and I, we've gone uh, back and forth uh, many a times back in the day. Uh, he used to do his uh, District 4 wrestling podcast. Uh, he had me on a few times as well as a guest for that, but now it is my turn to return the favor and uh, have him on here on the Northern Tier League Now podcast, but uh, I'm really excited for this, mainly because uh, there's a couple issues that I know he's got a lot of good opinions about. I know he's very passionate about, and I'm really excited for that. Uh, one is the public-private school debate that's been surrounding PIAA sports and uh, the other potential changes uh, that have been discussed as well uh, involving high school wrestling. So there's definitely uh, some different things to talk about with him uh, when it comes to the public-private debate. We'll talk about, you know, leveling the playing field. Is it something that's good? Is it something that's bad? Is the right way to go about it completely eliminating the transfer rule? Is, is that one of the ways to go? Well, we'll talk with him about that coming up here in a little bit, and uh, we'll get some of his opinions on that. Also, high school wrestling is uh, one of our big passions uh, here in the area and of course uh, you know no one follows high school wrestling uh, to my uh, or for my regard anyway uh, any better than Mitch and I'm definitely looking forward to having him on that now of course some of the changes they're talking about uh, for high school wrestling is eliminating lineups that's right cutting down the number of spots in starting lineups uh, you know right now we have 14 but uh, they're talking about maybe changing it down to 13, maybe 12. Well, we'll talk with Mitch about that as well and see uh, what's on his mind when it comes to high school wrestling. Does he want to eliminate classes? Does he think that's a good thing? Maybe we should uh, just kind of find a way to tweak the 14 that we have now. Regardless, it'll be a great interview, and uh, I know Mitch is looking forward to that. So we will uh, talk with him coming up here in just a little while. 
First off, though, I want to start off with some listener feedback that came to our NTL Now podcast Facebook page this week. Uh, we got this great message uh, from a listener in the Kawaneski Valley area. Now, I'm not going to talk about the person's name or anything like that or, uh, you know, even, uh, you know, put their name out there because that's just not uh, what we're going to do here, uh, you know, unless they're okay with it. But, of course, uh, this time around we just got a message. And what's great about it is it's the exact kind of feedback that we were looking for you know we were we were curious you know would folks come around to a podcast like this would folks be excited for a podcast like this and I'd like to take a moment and just kind of read a little bit of that feedback that we got and uh, as I said you know this comes from a listener of the podcast out in the Kalineski Valley area and uh, a big thanks to this listener out there Uh, you know who you are Uh, I'm not going to say the name but uh, the basic uh, principle of the message or, uh, you know, just kind of uh, some bullet points from the message go like this. Uh, I just wanted to tell you guys that I love this new platform to showcase our youth athletes as a sports fan and most importantly, uh, a supporter of high school cross country uh, out in this area. We do not have anything like this to shine a light on the kids. And I believe that this is a great way to uh, make the tennis, volleyball, cross-country, track athletes, and others uh, the ability to get some notoriety. Now, of course, uh, you know, along with that, uh, you know, he did make a mention, you know, that, you know, there there is a stress towards, you know, maybe covering a lot of football in the fall. And you know what? I think a lot of us are guilty of that. And it just kind of happens because in the fall, you know, we all flock to Friday night football or Saturday afternoon football, you know, whether it be at the high school level or to our TVs for the college or uh, for the pros on Sunday. So, yes, I mean, we do all kind of get drawn in to this football vortex. But, yes, you know, to have a listener uh, send us a message and say, you know what, it's a great thing to see that uh, somebody is giving a little more notoriety to tennis or volleyball or cross country, something like that. You know, it's uh, it's really a good thing. And uh, to hear uh, that people are out there listening and paying attention and willing to offer us feedback, you know, that that's definitely a great thing. And you know what? I'm not even going to shy away from the negative feedback. I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of folks out there who have some ideas on how we could make this podcast better. If you have uh, any ideas like that, feel free. I mean, shoot us a message. Any kind of uh, message and any kind of feedback can only make this podcast better. So if you have any you know, feedback you want to draw as well, uh, if you're following us uh, on the NTL Now podcast Facebook page, please feel free. Shoot us a private message for that. Or you know, maybe you're following us uh, at NTL Now on Twitter. Hey, go ahead. Uh, shoot us a direct message on there as well. I mean, we have no problems at all taking uh, any kinds of critiques or anything like that you know maybe you have uh, some disagreements with some of the opinions that we have that's fine too I mean, sports are a great breeding ground for debate. And, of course, you know, as this podcast continues, Joe and I are going to debate a lot. You know, sometimes he might have an opinion I disagree with. I know I'm going to have plenty that he'll disagree with. But that's just where the fun of sports and debating comes in. And, yes, we do want to make this very listener-involved as well. So definitely, folks out there, feel free to drop us a message. Uh, Hit us up on NTL Now Podcast on Facebook. You can send us a, a direct message there. Or if you want, as we 
we said, follow us on Twitter as well. Go to at NTL now. You can search us uh, on Twitter there. And then, of course, uh, drop us a direct message uh, on Twitter as well. So regardless, uh, thank you so much again to our listener out there in Kalineski Valley for the great feedback. And uh, we'll gladly uh, try to keep up uh, the positive aspects that you and everybody else out there are looking for here with this Northern Tier League Now podcast. All right. Well, as I promised here in episode three, we've got a lot to cover coming up here in just a little bit. We'll talk with Brian Fees from the Tawanda Daily Review. I'm really curious to see which of his athletic defeats uh, was his uh, favorite to do over the summer. And uh, I think he's actually still trying to squeeze in a couple here before the school year starts. But yes, that's definitely coming up. And of course, as I said, we'll talk with him uh, about some of the other fall sports as well as we've talked a lot of football over these first couple of episodes so uh, this week we're going to try and uh, shy away from that get into some other stuff but I'm sure you know well I'll probably sprinkle in a little bit of football too but that's just because I love football but on the horizon yes we've got Brian coming up here in just a little bit and also as I said uh, we'll talk with Mitch Rupert coming up in just a little while as well as uh, we'll talk the public private school debate and recruiting and all that and of course we'll talk some high school wrestling with him coming up too in just a while here on the NTL Now podcast. Now you listeners out there sit back relax and get ready for a great episode coming up in just a bit i'm joined by brian fees from the tawanda daily review that comes up after this quick message from our friends at circle w sports growing up in a small town it's important to get your name out there if you want to play at the next level circle w sports helped me get the exposure i needed it's really been a one-stop shop for college coaches where they can go in there and they can find information about not only one player, but the rest of our team, guys that they might not be thought they were interested in before they went to the website. So Circle W has really done that. It links highlight films, contact information, and everything that the coach would need. Circle W Sports, the new name in the game for high school sports. You can follow the NTL Now podcast on social media. Follow NTL Now on Facebook by searching NTL Now Podcast and on Twitter by following at NTL Now. All right, back here on Northern Tier League now here on the podcast and glad to be joined by the Daily Reviews, Brian Fees. And Brian, welcome to NTL Now, my friend. Thank you, Shane. Brian, it's been uh, quite the whirlwind summer for you. I mean, I was telling the folks uh, in the intro that uh, you've been quite the busy guy this year, not only uh, out doing uh, featured stories, but also kind of uh, combining that and uh, trying to test out your athleticism this summer. Yeah, I tried to do some challenges with some of the kids, get a chance to see the kids in a different way and see how good they really are. Okay, so you've been doing this now for a little bit of time. I have to ask you, what did you find to be your most, your most favorite challenge thus far? Um, I'm, I would say my, most, my favorite might have been dancing just because I didn't think I could dance. I really can't dance, but at least I didn't make as big of a fool of myself as I thought I would. So you're saying of all the physical challenges you have done, dance is the best one that uh, has really kind of opened your eyes a little bit. It opened my eyes a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I really, the other one is steeplechase because, I mean, going through water is different, interesting, and kind of fun. So where did the, wait, where did the steeplechase challenge come in? That one was one that uh, I missed along the way. It was in Waverly against Colin Wright, the state qualifier for Waverly. 
Okay, so that's where that one came in. Good to find uh, out where that one was. Now, I've seen you do uh, quite a bit on the soccer side. Are you any closer to being uh, a representative for us from the World Cup team? <laughs> I'm thinking they're not going to be giving me a call anytime soon. At least with soccer, though. I played soccer most of my life growing up, so maybe I'm not embarrassing myself quite as much in that as in some of the other ones. Well, that's definitely a good thing. But uh, I do have to ask you, okay, so I asked you what your most fun one was. Uh, what did you find to be the most challenging of all the ones that you've done? Uh, that's not even hard at all. That would be the high jump against Porsche Bennett because Porsche makes it look really easy. It's really not easy at all. So did you have any expectations that you might actually be able to clear a height? Did you Did you clear a height? That's another question. I, I did not clear a height. I, I had not known it would be that hard. I'm not sure I believed I could clear a height, but I'm not sure I thought I would do that poorly at it. Okay, well, I'll let you off the hook on that one then. But, uh, yes, it's uh, it's been a fun ride for you this summer anyway, uh, doing some of these unique challenges. And, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people applaud you. I applaud you. I mean, that's definitely uh, kind of uh, courageous to step up and, uh, you know, take a, a different aspect and, uh, you know, kind of put yourself in an athlete's shoes and kind of see what they do to give yourself an idea for a good story. Yeah, I just wanted to do something different. I mean, we, we see the athletes all the time, and we see how good, how easy they make things look. I just kind of wanted to see, you know, how difficult this stuff really is because they really do make it look easy sometimes, and it's really, really not as easy as they make it look. All right. Well, on that end, then we will uh, leave your feats of strength or uh, lack thereof is uh, in some cases, as you said, uh, you know, the, the purpose of this podcast, obviously, is to touch on uh, a lot of the NTL sports. And of course, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks here on the podcast, things have been really busy on the football end. Of course, uh, football media day a couple of weeks ago. And now, of course, uh, we've got, uh, you know, a lot of the camps and stuff opening up for a lot of the other sports, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, intrigue, I believe, going into the uh, soccer side of things this year, uh, especially uh, up in Athens. And, uh, Brian, on the girls' side this year for the Lady Wildcats, can they keep this train rolling uh, of this control they've had over the league this year? Yeah, I mean, I really think they're going to be really tough in the league still. They, they return a lot of really good players. I mean, yeah, they've lost some superstar players, but – Girls like Abby Sindoni and Krista Manning and Emma Rowe and Hannah Blackman and some of those girls, they are really, and Haley Chambers too, they are really, really good soccer players, and they have a lot of experience. And the thing is, most of those girls on that team play year-round, and there's still not a lot of teams in the league that have a lot of girls that play year-round. So uh, b piggybacking off of that then, uh, you know, is that really the, the trend of how Athens has kept things going for so long? It's not so much, you know, that they have uh, the best uh, collection of athletes or whatever, but they just have the, the girls that put in the time and the effort and everything year-round to make this uh, program go? Yeah, I mean, they've had a lot of really good athletes, don't get me wrong. Some that, didn't, that were really just athletic and weren't focused on soccer as their primary sport. But they also have a lot of girls that soccer is their primary sport and that do it year-round, and that really helps. I mean, you look at it around the league. Look at how much better Tawanda is now that they have more and more girls that do it year-round. I mean, it, it just – when you play that much and you have girls that are that dedicated to the sport, it kind of makes you better. 
Okay, so on the uh, girls' side, uh, Brian expecting to see uh, another good showing from the Lady Wildcats this year. Okay, now, you know, for kind of a a person who's a casual follower, you know, this year I'll kind of be picking things up a lot more because, you know, I'll be uh, intrigued by it uh, for the podcast. But, you know, for the, for the casual follower who picks up a sports page and uh, reads about all the great players, now, of course, a player like a Hunter McClellan at Troy, a Tegan Willie at Tawanda, you know, those are names that are going to stand out to you. Uh, who's a name in the NTL this year that uh, we, we might not know about yet, but we probably will by the end of the season? Is there a name maybe that sticks in your head that way? Well, there's one right off the bat, and that's Rosalind Paney. I mean, a lot of people know her name after last year, but it wasn't one of the ones you brought up, and it might not be one of the ones casual people think of because she was only a freshman last year. But she scored six goals in a district playoff game last year. She scored almost 40 goals as a freshman, and she has a chance to be one of the best players to ever come out of the NTL. Okay, so Rosalind Haney now, uh, one of the uh, youngsters for the Lady Redskins of Sayre, and of course uh, looking to uh, pick things up uh, for that squad coming up as the season goes. Okay, now let's flip over to boys soccer this year. Uh, Where are we looking here uh, on the boys' side? Do we stay in Athens, or is there another team uh, in the league that uh, might be making a name in boys soccer this year? I mean, there's some other teams that are going to be pretty good, but it all starts and ends with Athens at this moment. I mean, they return almost everybody from their district championship team. I mean, their entire roster last year were basically juniors and younger, and I, it, it's scary to think, but they might be better this year than they were last year. That is a very scary proposition to think of, but okay, let me ask you then uh, on the boys' side of things, uh, who's the name in boys' soccer this year we should be looking for? I mean, I'm not sure that there's that one player. I mean, you've got Lane at Athens that really stands out, but Athens has so many kids, you know, that are really, really good. It's just they're a really deep, really balanced lineup, and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, really – I don't know that the boys' side has that one 45-goal scorer this year necessarily. They have more teams that are just really, really deep. All right, that's a fair analysis to go with. Now, of course, girls volleyball picking things up here as we head through this uh, fall sports bonanza. And, uh, you know, I think the question on everybody's mind is, uh, who's going to be the girls volleyball team that steps up and finally says, you know what, North Penn Liberty's reign in the NTL is done. We're taking the crown this year. I mean, obviously, you know, North Penn Liberty's still going to be in the mix. They're still going to be hard to beat. But if somebody's going to take their crown, it very well might be the team, their big rival down the road in Wellsboro because Caitlin Callahan is, she's unbelievable. She is one of the best players you will see. She is so fun to watch, and she is going to make that team really, really good. That's always a good thing to see. You know, you want that competitive balance, especially uh, with your rivals, that's for sure. Now, of course, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, NTL volleyball teams are in camps now. They're getting ready to go. Uh, Do you have, uh, you know, some of those uh, standout names that uh, we should be looking for uh, other than Callahan at Wellsboro? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, why losing has Lila Oswald, who's a really good returning player. You know, there's some other, you know, North Penn Liberty has Joanne McNamara back and Chris McGregor. They have some really good players. There's some really good players in the league. The most intriguing thing to me, though, is, I mean, it's going to be as wide open, I think, the league as any time I've seen in the past. I don't really think there's a bad team in the league. Some of your teams like Sayer and Northeast and then in the past maybe haven't had the success. They have a lot of talent this year, and they could really be in the hunt. 
Man, a competitive league in volleyball could definitely make for some exciting gymnasiums coming up here as the volleyball season goes. Okay, now we go to cross country. Cross country, you know, one of those sports where it's just a matter of, hey, what guys or girls can we get across the line first and keep the point totals down? Uh, I look at a team uh, like Troy, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm the casual guy, okay? I'm stepping into a whole new world here uh, on the uh, paying attention side of cross country, you know, and that's why we're doing the podcast to do this uh, cross country I could tell you uh, I, I think Troy's probably got uh, one of the uh, probably more complete teams in the league on the boys side am I wrong uh, the boys side is starts and ends with Wyalusing losing a little bit there's some other good teams Troy has some talent a lot of other teams have some talent but Wyalusing losing returns a lot of their lineup from a team that was really good and made states last year and led by Alex Patton and Kemuel Loudermilk, and that team is really loaded, and they're going to be really tough to beat. Okay, so that's why you're here on the podcast, Brian, to correct me uh, when I may be wrong, and there's probably going to be a lot of times this year when I am really wrong, and I'm okay admitting that. All right, now you've got uh, the girls' side of cross country. Uh, who, who in the league is going to be standing out for us for that? Well, on the girl side, it is kind of Troy. It is, you know, you were mentioning Troy. They're really going to be tough in the girl side again. They lose some really good runners. Don't get me wrong. This, this, but this team has been reloading year after year for the last few years, and they're deep again. They're talented. And a lot of the girls in this lineup have all had success in the past and been to states in the past. Well, that's definitely a good thing uh, then if you are uh, the coaching staff for Troy. So that at least you've got uh, a little bit of, uh, I guess, uh, you know, kind of some uh, variation in the league. You know, at least you don't have one dominant girls and boys team. You know, there's a little variation where at least, you know, if Wyatt Lucing is going to dominate the boys side, you know, you get a little splash there from Troy as well on the girls side too. Now, of course, uh, when it comes to cross country, there's always a lot of uh, good individual runners who may not necessarily be uh, on some of the best team so who are some of those great individual runners this year that uh, we're going to find throughout the league well one of the best for boys or girls at all is Jules Jones uh, from CV I mean Jules has been a state qualifier every year of her career and really the only question right now is if she's going to get a state medal this year because she's done everything else possible I already mentioned Alex Penn for Wyatt Lucy he's the real deal he's one of the best runners around um, you know Owen Williams from Troy will be really good. Troy has some good runners. There's a fair amount of really good runners, but I think, you know, Jules on the girl side and Alex on the boy side are really two of the key ones to watch. Boy, that's always good to get that type of insight, you know, and to be able to follow along this year in the Northern Tier League and, uh, you know, see some of these individual runners uh, get their acknowledgments as well. Uh, it's going to be fun uh, throughout the league. And, you know, cross country has always been one of those sports, I think, in the Northern Tier League where, you know, if you're a, a good distance runner or whatever, you're going to be fast. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of success up here in cross country. We have for a long time. And, you know, I can mention why losing in Troy uh, right now at teams. I can mention Jules and Alex. But the thing is, every single year, there is some kid that will show up and be a minute and a half faster than they were a year ago. There is some kid that was a borderline state qualifier last year who's going to be a state medalist this year. Some kid that you never dreamed was going to make states that makes it. It happens every year because. This area has a lot of kids that work really hard and put in a lot of miles to be really good at this. 
Boy, that's just some good insight there as well. I mean, you're just a, a full nugget of knowledge uh, when it comes to this stuff. I'm glad that uh, I decided to make you a guest this week here on the Northern Tier League Now podcast for sure. Now, of course, uh, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to at least talk a little bit of football. Now, of course, as I told the listeners, you know, we've uh, we've talked a lot of it the last couple of weeks, but, you know, there would be a little bit of a splash of NTL football in here only because, you know, we are getting close to the regular season now. Joe Carrion and I last week, we discussed uh, some of our uh, top five headlines that uh, we thought about coming into this year. Uh, do you have a couple of storylines that are kind of uh, rumbling around in your head, some things that you're thinking about heading into this upcoming football season? Yeah, I mean, to me, one of the big things is going to be the large school. I think it's as wide open as it's been in a really long time. I, I can't remember a year where there's not – most years there seems to be that one or two teams you're just sure are going to be above everybody else. I don't see that this year. I mean, it really seems to be more balanced. And it's really intriguing to me because it's going to be a matchup of teams like Wellsboro or Canton that are high-powered offenses with these great skill positions up against a team like Troy that really they just want to beat you up. They just have big, strong kids that want to beat you up. And it's going to be a matter of which style wins this year. And that's what I'm really interested to see. Does the high-powered offenses, these big skill position guys that are great, or do the big, strong guys up front win out? Well, let me ask you this, because Joe and I talked about this last week as well. Do you see this as a season where the team that maybe wins, whether it be the large school or the small school, uh, maybe uh, the champion of either one of those divisions comes out based on which team's underclassmen mature the fastest? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that could be a big key this year, because I mean, a lot of these teams have some really good key upperclassmen, but they maybe aren't the deepest teams in the league with returning players. So it really is going to matter what some of these younger kids do and how much they come through, especially with a team like Troy. We know how good Troy's line is. Troy's line is unbelievable. I know it's one of the best they think they've ever had at the program. The question is, which skill guys are going to step up? Which players, you know, in some of those positions? And that is going to be some younger kids being put in positions to make plays. That's absolutely correct, and you're right. I mean, Troy, uh, they do not lack for mass up front, that's for sure. And I'll tell you what's really great about our league is we are not uh, on a shortage of linemen either. I mean, seriously, last year we got to watch Hunter Brown at Wellsboro be absolutely uh, all over the field. This year, you know, we're going to get a chance to see Jack Imp shine as a senior as well. So, I mean, it's really cool to see guys in the trenches getting their love as well coming into this year. Yeah, and I mean, I... I don't know if people realize how good Jack Amp is. I'm not sure if people realize it because it's hard to notice big guys up front sometimes. I, I mean, I will not be surprised if the player of the year in the league this year is a lineman. I will not be surprised if Jack Amp ends up as the player of the year by the time this year is over because he is that good. He is that dominant. I mean, he is one of the best you will see that the league has had up front. I'll tell you what I'm curious to see is this league has some great athletes as well throughout the league. But, man, I'm telling you what, I'm curious to see at the end of the year who will be the NTL's leading rusher. I mean, I, I, I'm taking Aiden Hauser and Damian Hudson to see who indeed compiles the most yards this year because I'm telling you, when those two get in the open field, they are two of the most exciting athletes you're going to see. Yeah, those two are absolutely explosive. They're absolutely game-breaking players. But I also am not going to leave out the fact that, you know, some of these other teams that we're not thinking of, a team like Troy with that size up front, if they get a back who starts to get a bulk of their carries, they can put up really big numbers. And I don't know who it is, and but it, somebody always emerges at Troy. They always find a running back. 
Tawanda always seems to find a running back who ends up putting up really big numbers. And, you know, and Isaiah Firestein, a sayer, the way he finished last year, he was unbelievable at the end of last year. And I will not be surprised if he puts up some really crazy numbers this year, too. Man, I just love how, you know, I can take two chess pieces and you come back and trump me with three. I mean, that's just absolutely <laughs> incredible uh, how you just throw them back there. But you know what? You're right. I mean, that just shows you, though, the depth of the Northern Tier League this year, football-wise. And, man, I am looking so forward uh, to not only football season, but also glad to hear, you know, all of this other recognition as well uh, for the other sports. And it just seems like all throughout uh, the Northern Tier League here in the fall. We're going to have uh, some intrigue as well going on. And, of course, you know, I even saw you were out uh, shooting some golf this year. I mean, who, who, do we, do we have some, some champion golfers we need to acknowledge as well. Yeah, I mean, the last five years, uh, Tim Farley had let us know that I, the last five or six years, I think we have had all but one year where the NTL has had either a district title winning team or golfer. So, the NTL's been in quite a role with golf. We've had district champions as individuals. We've had district championship teams. And it's all been within the last five or six years. And that's just something that, like, it seems like every year now, one of the teams is in the hunt and one of our golfers is in the hunt to try to bring home a title as well. Do you have a name in mind that you're thinking uh, maybe has uh, one of those good shots to do so? I mean, I, I'm – there's a lot of golfers. I'm thinking more teams like CV and Wellsboro both have lost some really good golfers the last couple of years, but their teams are going to still be really, really good and be right in the hunt for team titles probably again. I mean, Tyler Holly from Tawanda, watching him the other day, he really looks like he's ready to have a really big breakout year. I mean, there's just some really good golf in the NTL, and it always seems to be, like I was saying with cross country, where you seem to always seem to have somebody that drops a minute from year to year. There always seems to be a couple golfers that come back and we're shooting 90 last year and come back shooting in the high 70s this year. Man, that's just great information to have. And, uh, you know, definitely looking forward to a great fall season. So, Brian, uh, definitely want to thank you a lot for taking some time here on the NTL Now podcast. And uh, I know for sure you and I will be having a lot of sports conversations along the way as we uh, head through this fall season. Sounds good. Thanks, Shane. Always good to have Brian Fees here on the NTL Now podcast. Of course, uh, I'm sure we'll be talking with Brian quite a bit. Uh, nobody follows the Northern Tier League more than that guy. And, uh, of course, uh, the staff over there at the Daily Review doing a great job. Of course, uh, Brian and Chris and Coy and the whole nine yards. So, yeah, we'll probably uh, have some combination of those guys on quite a bit here as the season goes on. But, uh, yes, as you heard Brian say, hey, you know, it's going to be uh, quite the uh, fall season coming up here uh, uh, throughout all of our sports, whether it's cross country, whether it's volleyball, uh, whether it is uh, football, even golf, too. I mean, seriously, we are in store uh, for a good showing here coming up this fall season. So definitely get out and encourage uh, a lot of our fall athletes this year. All right. Joined by the Sun Gazette sports guy, Mitch Rupert, here on the Northern Tier League Now podcast. Uh, Mitch, a longtime uh, professional acquaintance, but uh, I like to consider him a personal friend as well. But Mitch, thanks a lot for jumping in here on the Northern Tier League Now podcast. You know, Shane, on my business card, it says Sun Gazette Sports Guy, so uh, I'm glad you hit that on the head. Well, you know, I try to make it uh, as professional as possible, but no, uh, <laughs> Mitch, actually one of the uh, great, can I call you senior writer? Will that be better? Senior no, sports I'm, writer. No, because that makes me sound old, and Massey's way older than I am, so... 
he's the senior writer. I'm just the better writer. That's that's the difference. Hey, you know what? That uh, that works as well. So we'll go with it. But anyway, you know, Mitch and I, uh, we've been around the block uh, quite a few times uh, with wrestling trips to Hershey and whatnot. But you know, we have a lot of great uh, discussions as well throughout the year. And uh, one of the big things that has come up here in the off season, obviously, uh, is the separation of public and private. And of course, uh, there's been a lot of passionate opinions thrown around uh, regarding what is called House Bill 1600. And of course, that's looking to kind of, uh, I guess they want to call it evening the playing field where they would have a public championship and a private championship uh, in regards to some of the sports uh, here in the state. Uh, Mitch, when you hear about this bill and kind of look at it at its core, is this something that's feasible for Pennsylvania state sports? I, I'm, I'm going to be real blunt with you, Shane. I think it's garbage. Uh, I think it's it's a bill that's written by somebody who has zero concept of how the PIAA works, how state championships work, and 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 how things have to be organized. I mean, it's uh, it, it really to me, and, and I wrote this in my column back when it came out. Um, to me, it's a politician's bill. It's it's a guy um, trying to win votes. Uh, with legislation that's going to do absolutely nothing to correct the perceived problems of public versus private in in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and the PIAA. You know, to me, and, and I've said this to you and, and anybody else who wants to ask me about it time after time again, the problem is not public versus private. The problem has always been the selective enforcement of the transfer rules. And what I really don't like about this bill is that the transfer rules are just thrown out the window and you are free to go wherever you want um, w- without penalty. And, and that's the real big problem with this. You know, they, 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 they started with something that was okay. Um, a, a base plan that is workable to separate public and private, which would level the playing field maybe. But when you throw out the transfer rules, everything's out of balance again. You know, now everybody can go wherever they want. And the issues that you have with the private schools and the charter schools and being able to move as you see fit now will exist in the public schools as well when all the rules are thrown out the window. So to me, this is not a feasible answer um, to the issues uh, pertaining to the PIAA right now and, and it's perceived inequity in championships. Uh, I, I don't think... Anybody who understands what's going on in the PIAA weighs, puts any weight on this at all as being a feasible, a feasible answer uh, to the problems that are going on. But that's, that's my take. Now, I was actually reading some articles about this, and uh, I'm going to uh, kind of uh, give a little a subtext here to uh, the Reading Eagle. I saw an article that they had as well. And basically, and I'm just kind of uh, you know paraphrasing uh, Dr. Lombardi here from the PIAA, but as you basically said, to summarize it, and the way he put it was, it would be chaos if you take out the transfer rule. It really would be. And and uh, I know Mike Drago from the Reading Eagle was, uh, was covering this story when it first broke and, and went to the press conference for the bill when it was introduced and and Mike and I, I, I know Mike very well, uh, he and I are on two polar ends of uh, the public versus private debate where, where my argument is always about the transfer rule. He, his argument has always been very much public and private schools need to be separated. And Mike's been around for 25, 30 years. Uh, he's got a lot of experience 
uh, dealing in, in high school sports and stuff. But when this bill was introduced, he and I traded a couple messages through through Twitter, and we're on the same page that this is not going to work. This, in its current form, it will not work. And the, the people need to look deeper than just the the surface answer of separating publics versus privates. Look deeper into the bill and understand that it won't answer anything. Well, let me put it to you like this, and I think you and I would probably share the same opinion on this, but uh, it's been proven that uh, you and I sometimes disagree. It happens. It's okay. But does this seem hey, more... The, the, the fact that you're a Cowboys fan and I'm an Eagles fan just guarantees we disagree on just about everything. Wow, that's that's a very valid point as well. But does this seem more of just kind of a reactionary thing to uh, most of, you know, kind of the sports that they outline? The football, volleyball, you know, uh, some of the other sports, basketball as well, rather than, you know, just kind of being... Uh, more proactive about things because it seems like you know there's only certain sports where this seems to be the issue whereas others they left out of the mix entirely well here's the thing you know what are people complaining about where there's inequity they're complaining about it in football and they're complaining about it in basketball maybe a little bit in soccer but i think the public schools have come back pretty strong in soccer in recent years and i, and I very well could be wrong on that but they don't complain about it in just about any sport. The only time you hear about it in wrestling, which is a sport you and I are around quite a bit, is with Bethlehem Catholic. And Bethlehem Catholic has gone up and moved up to AAA. So even though they're still not playing on the same playing field as, as everybody else, they've taken the necessary steps to compete at the highest level. So the problems are perceived as being only in football and basketball where the private schools, the charter schools win more. I do agree Shane, that this is a reactionary bill, that it's not thought through. It's just an opportunity to say, this is something that people want. This is what we're going to give the people, even if it's garbage. And I, I, I give uh, the, 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 the congressman, uh, uh, I can't remember his name, Aaron Bernstein, that's it. Uh, uh, I give him a lot of credit for sitting down with the powers that be in, in the uh, the factions that, that need to sit down and discuss something like this to try and work something out. But at some point, you have to be able to take a step back, listen to what the PIAA is saying, that it's not going to work, and try and find the right answer, not just a answer. So I do agree it's reactionary. Uh, I think that, that people just want to have something to complain about uh, sometimes. And, and we have to look at what the real issue is which is the selective enforcement of the transfer rule. If you, if you enforce the transfer rule the same everywhere, which is very difficult to do, then you don't have a public versus private problem. It's a very well thought out answer there. And uh, I appreciate, you know, you being as blunt as possible as you can be. And uh, that's the way I like you. And that's the way uh, that, and that's the Mitch that I wanted on the podcast. So I'm glad that, so, so uh, you know, you've brought it. Here's the thing, Shane. Chris Massey and I are both very passionate about this subject. Our ideas, our, our concerns about the subject are different. Like, we all agree in a roundabout way of what the problem is and, and, and kind of what needs to happen for the problem to be fixed. But our ideas on how to get there are different. And, and that's where you kind of to run into problems. Chris Massey and I, uh, we'll sit in the the office and yell at each other about it that, you know, to the high heavens, he'll scream that there's a public versus private problem. 
And I'll turn around and say, no, there's an enforcement of the transfer rule problem that leads us to the same place, you know? So it, it's important to be passionate about what your, your issue is on this subject um, to the point where you go talk to people, whether it's your, your local representatives or senators, and, and try and figure out a plan in the, that can fix this problem uh, and, and voice your concern that, that it is a problem. Um, but make sure that the problem is solved correctly and not that just there's an answer to have an answer. And on the flip side, you know, a, a big credit, I think, goes to the PIAA. You know, I know in a sense they are trying, I believe, you know, and, and again, an, another uh, kind of paraphrasing thing, but they are trying, you know, what is the com- competitive balance thing, you know, where they're going to make teams who enjoy success over a certain period, you know, have to bump up a class. Are we maybe uh, jumping the gun a little and not allowing that to take place a, a little bit more? I think that is a great point, Shane, and, and, and you're exactly right. You have the competitive balance issue. You also have the adjustment they made to the transfer rule before, um, which I believe was, was enacted last year, brought about two years ago, where if you play 50% or more of your games for one school and you transfer midseason, that you're not allowed to play at your new school. And that's a, we have not yet let that new rule kind of take shape and, and, and see if it can be effective in, in helping to stop and quell uh, some of these transfer issues that we were seeing. You know, So the PIAA and, and, and Bob Lombardi is very astute. He understands the perceptions, and he understands that people think there are problems, and he understands that they need to come up with solutions that work. So that's step one. You know, they always say the first step to solving a problem is admitting that there's a problem. Bob Lombardi has admitted that there's a problem. And whether it's perceived or whether it's an actual problem, he's admitted that there is one. So they are taking the necessary steps. It's not going to move as fast as you would like it to move, as we would all like it to move. But as long as they continue to take steps, they will work towards uh, an answer that works for everybody. Very well done, and uh, we'll put that topic to rest because, you know, there's another issue as well that uh, I want to get to with you here on the Northern Tier League Now podcast, talking with Mitch Rupert, uh, sports writer for the Williams Sports Sun Gazette. And Mitch, uh, another topic came up uh, over the summer months as well, and that was the PIAA uh, doing kind of a proposal uh, to the NFHS about the possibility of uh, maybe shrinking the number of wrestling weight classes in high school wrestling from 14 to 12 obviously you know you and I have been around the wrestling block for a while Uh, we've seen the problems we've seen forfeits become an issue Uh, is this again another uh, reactionary step rather than maybe a possible uh, solution see on the complete flip side of this Shane you know I I feel like it's taken way too long uh, to get to this step you know the the reality is that um families are having smaller families nowadays there you know everybody wants to talk about the glory days of wrestling where you had three wrestlers at each weight class that doesn't exist anymore you know the sport is too difficult it requires too much of a commitment that people don't want to give if they're not uh in the starting lineup understandably so i get that i understand you've interest pulling people so many different ways nowadays Teams just team sizes are just not what they used to be, especially here in District Four, which is a small school district. And up in the northern tier, 
where you are, which the schools are, are even smaller for the most part up there. Tawanda is an outlier that they can have as many kids as they do on their wrestling team, and Bill Sexton can shuffle the lineups like he does. They're an outlier. That's not the norm, you know, unless you're uh, Southern Columbia right now, which is one of the best wrestling programs probably in the country right now. There are very few teams that are able to both fill out a lineup with quality wrestlers and have quality backups. I think shrinking the number of weight classes is a necessary step. I hate to see opportunities taken away uh, from kids who do want to wrestle, but how many teams are going to be telling kids, you don't have a spot in the lineup now because we lost two weight classes? Very few. Uh, I don't like the proposal of raising the minimum weight class up to uh, 110 or 112 or whatever it is. I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't like that at all. You cannot take the little guy out of this sport because that is the essential function of wrestling and what makes wrestling so great is that it works for everybody. And you compete against guys of your own size. You cannot get rid of the little guy from this sport because it makes the sport so great. So, yes, this is a necessary step. I'm glad they're taking it. I know there are a lot of coaches who are going to disagree with me, and that's fine. But I'm tired of going to matches where there's four and five forfeits. And I love wrestling. You know I love wrestling. But I don't want to go and sit and watch four and five forfeits. And I don't even have to pay to get in. These people who are paying six bucks to get in for a match that lasts 27 minutes, that's unfair. Ideally, is 12 weight classes even too many? I mean, could we look at uh, maybe even shrinking it down further just because, you know, we know there are a lot of lineups that won't be filled. So is it possible that uh, even 12 is too many? I, I think it is possible that 12 is too many. I don't think we'll ever get below 12, and I'll never call for the NSHS or the PIAA to go below 12. I like the college setup with the 10 weight classes as it is. Um, there's an argument in the college to have something between 197 and 250 or in, in 285 at heavyweight, um, but I'm okay with how it is. As, as people grow and mature, um, you don't need weight classes five pounds apart like it is in high school. But as young, maturing uh, adolescents, it's 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 a necessary evil, and the, the largest amount of your your participation kids are in those middle weight classes, so I understand having more weight classes in there. I would love to see high school go to 10 weight classes. I'll never, uh, I'll never argue for that because 12 is just fine. And if we go to 10 or make that argument to go to 10, then I think you really are taking opportunities away uh, from kids to wrestle. Uh, I think it would make for better dual meets if we went to 10. Um, but how many people really care about that? You know, so many people are focused on on March and winning medals in February and March that uh, dual meets are kind of an afterthought anymore. They just don't carry the weight that they used to. They're fun. I love being at them. I love when people get rowdy sitting in Hughesville when it gets loud uh, for a good dual meet between Hughesville and Tawana is one of the, my favorite things I look forward to every year, you know, but the, the value of dual meets is, is kind of dwindled a little bit. That's very true. And, you know, being around the sport, it does uh, 
kind of, you know, it, it breaks your heart a little bit seeing that, you know, we do have to go from uh, 14 to 12. I think what I'm more uh, concerned with on, uh, you know, kind of the individual side, how does shrinking two weight classes uh, out of the whole mix uh, affect, you know, uh, the, the number of kids that each district is going to get or, you know, the uh, the quality of kids it's going to get? Are we going to maybe find ourselves in a situation again where great kids are being left home again? That's kind of one of the the necessary evils of the sport, too, you know. Um, I remember back, you know, it's not that long ago, um, when when teams were only taking three qualifiers, there were four sections in the district, and you only got three to go to districts, and there were four state-quality kids in one of the East Central weight classes, and I think it was Sean Machinsky who ended up being a two- or three-time state qualifier from Sullivan County who got left out, you know, because he finished fourth and, and didn't go on to districts. That's just, you know, we say it every year in the postseason, this weight class is deeper than weight class. You know, the quality uh, of the four kids going at, at 160 this year isn't as good as uh, the quality of the kids at, at 113. You know, it happens every year. It's kind of a necessary evil of the sport. Um, shrinking the weight classes will make dual meets more enjoyable, Um I believe and more competitive. Uh, and it's not really, I really don't think it's going to affect that much of, of leaving kids home. The, the cream is going to rise to the top as it does every year in March. And uh, there's always going to be an argument. It's like when you talk about the college football playoff, if we go to eight teams, the ninth team is going to complain that they didn't get in. If we go to 16, the 17th team is going to complain. That's just how it's going to be no matter what the number is. So on the flip side, and uh, I'll end with this with you, is this something that uh, you see being kind of a standard with uh, the 12 weight classes maybe starting in 2020? Or do you think uh, that we are far from uh, seeing the end of this topic or issue at hand and uh, some coaches are going to have some more things to uh, throw in the ring about this before all is said and done? Well, the PIAA Wrestling Steering Committee feels so passionate about this that they're going to do it on a trial basis, whether the NFHS says they can do it or not, or, or whether the NFHS approves it or not. I think that says a lot about how people within the sport feel about it. I think you'll get current coaches who don't like it because they'll say it's taking away opportunities from their kids. But I think the NFHS is very interested to see how this goes in Pennsylvania. You know, they may not make a decision until after that first year uh, where it's enacted and, um, you know, maybe the PIAA finds out it doesn't work and then they go back to 14 and, and, you know, we end up having the same discussions we've always had about too many forfeits and, and all that, you know, the thing that really intrigued me, um, was I was curious how the bigger school districts voted on this topic as opposed to the smaller school districts, <coughs> excuse me, and district 11, district three, district seven, all were in approval. Of, of going to the 12 and and that says that at some point even they're probably struggling with it a little bit and they see the bigger picture of how this can help uh help the sport a little bit but i don't think by any means shane are we at the end of this discussion we might just be at the beginning of it 
That's very true, and uh, we'll see how it all shakes out uh, as we uh, inch toward wrestling season. But, uh, hey, you know, Mitch, I uh, want to thank you again for stepping up here. I know these were uh, a couple of lingering topics uh, through this off season, And, you know, before we really get into the thick of uh, fall sports and, and football and everything else, really wanted to uh, dive into this, and uh, I knew you were the right man for the job. Well, Shane, I really appreciate it. It's nice to be on this end of the questions every once in a while and, and not be the guy that has to ask them all the time. Hey, that's why I'm the talker and you're the writer. <laughs> hey, that's what it, that's how it works best, but sometimes I wonder about your talking, though. So uh, we'll, we'll save that for another day, though. All right, that's good. That's Mitch Rupert, sports writer for the Williamsport Sun-Gazette. Follow him on Twitter, at MRupert. He is uh, – or at Mitch Rupert, right? You cl- yep, clarify Mitch for underscore me. Rupert. Okay, yeah. at Mitch yeah, underscore Rupert. Yeah, we've only been Rupert. Twitter friends for years. How would you know that? Well, I know, but usually when you tweet me, you're saying something insulting. <laughs> <laughs> for good reason. Yeah, for good reason. And there you have it, the opinions of the one Mitch Rupert right here on the NTL Now podcast. So thanks again to Mitch for stepping up and uh, being here on the podcast this week. All right, folks. Well, time is winding down here for us this week. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, all you have to do is go online to Facebook right now. Search NTL Now podcast. Give us a like there or go online to Twitter, too, and uh, follow at NTL Now. And you can follow along with the happenings of the podcast right here. Now, of course, uh, we're encouraging all of our listeners out there, hey, drop us some feedback on Facebook or Twitter. Also, give us some critiques. Maybe you have some topics out there you want to drop us as well that you'd like us to discuss. Regardless, uh, we want your input. So get with us on social media now, and we'll be sure to uh, take all of that into consideration and uh, see how we can keep making this NTL podcast better. Now, of course, I know it's still in its infancy. Folks, this was only the third episode, but still... Hey, we are looking to make this as big and as best as we can uh, along the way. But anyway, that will do it here as we wrap up episode number three. Folks, uh, thanks so much for tuning in here to uh, the episode today. And of course, uh, don't forget next week, Joe Carrion returns as he was on vacation this week. So hopefully he's refreshed and recharged and ready to go uh, for next week because, well, next week, It is uh, the opening week of NTL football, so you know we're definitely going to break down some pigskin coming up uh, next week on the podcast. But that will do it for this week's episode of Northern Tier League Now. Again, want to thank Brian Fees from the Daily Review and Mitch Rupert from the Williamsport Sun-Gazette for being a part of this week's podcast. Folks, I'm Shane Wilbur. want to thank all of you for tuning in to episode number three. Back next week with another brand new episode of Northern Tier League Now. Thanks for listening to NTL Now, your Northern Tier League sports podcast. Keep following the Northern Tier League on Facebook and Twitter for more updates on the Northern Tier League. Audio from the NTL Now podcast may not be used without prior consent. Join us next week for more NTL Now, brought to you by Circle W Sports.